Well, good afternoon, brethren. Hope you're having a, an outstanding Sabbath. We have some beautiful weather out there. Very beautiful. Well, I'd like to ta- start today by asking a question. Why are we here? Why are we here? Now, normally when we have been asked this before, it's something we've, you know, we've probably heard it in a sermon, maybe at the feast. We've, we've heard this question. You know, it's usually asked, you know, why have we been called into the truth? You know, why are we in the truth of God? But today I would like to ask it a little bit differently. Why are we here? Why are we here today, sitting in the chairs we're sitting in, here on the Sabbath day? Why are we sitting here right now? Well, we know that a lot of it is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. We know that that is part of it. But a very big part of actually being here today, a very big part of it is the two-hour services the two-hour services where we are sitting right now. I'd like to ask another question as we're thinking about this. In the last six months, in the last six months, can we think of a sermonette or sermon that we have actually implemented in our lives? Can we think of a sermonette or sermon that we have actually implemented in our lives? In the last six months. You know, in a whole year, there are about 52 to 53 Sabbaths in a year. It depends on the scenario, but oftentimes we have 52 to 53 Sabbaths in a year. And then we have the annual Holy Days. We have Passover, Days of Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, and Last Great Day. Now, I did a little figuring. If we take all those days... And we think about how many hours we are actually sitting in services. And you think about it. If we are pretty regular, you know, we are here more often than not. And in a whole year, we will have actually sat in services for about 144 hours of sitting in services. Another way to put it. That equates to about 18 eight-hour days. 18 eight-hour days. And that's a big part of our life. You think about it. 18 eight-hour days of sitting in services every year. Are we using our time effectively? Are we using our time effectively as we are sitting in Sabbath services? We know that our life is our time, as we often have heard. Our life is our time, and our time is our life. How effectively are we using our time in Sabbath services? As my wife and I are parents of small children, listening in services has been on our minds quite a bit lately. We have three children, ages six and under. And, you know, as parents, oftentimes you you plan for the best, And you hope for the best, but you don't always know what's going to happen. You never know what could happen. It wasn't, uh, it was probably a a few months back, I was asked to give the closing prayer during Sabbath services. 
And as the service had wound down and uh, we were singing the last closing song, um, I was getting ready to go up to the front to give the closing prayer. And, you know, the song is winding down. We're getting close to the end. And so it's time for me to head up to the front. And as I turned to head up to the front, I felt something snag on my jacket. And at the same time, I heard, ow, 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 my hair. And I looked down, and my daughter had just happened to be standing in front of me. And somehow, I have no idea how this happened. Her hair was all wound around my button on my front coat button. And meanwhile, I'm supposed to be up at the front. And so I'm thinking rapidly, okay, i got to get up there. Do I take my jacket off? And then I'm thinking, no, I can't take it off because her hair is stuck around my button. I'm thinking, do I take her up to the front with me? And the song's winding down, down, down. And so suddenly, I somehow it, I get the hair unwound. Fortunately, I bolt up to the front. I get there right in time and give the closing prayer. But we never know what could happen in Sabbath services. You know, there's all sorts of distractions. All sorts of distractions that we have. When we're at church services, you know, a lot of us have health problems. You know, sometimes we have, maybe we'll have back pain. You know, sometimes maybe we've had a stressful week. We're just, we are just worn out. And we have a lot of stress on our minds. You know, we're, we're really stressed out. We can all have distractions in our lives. But when we are at church, we have to ask ourselves, how are we listening? Are we distracted? Are we sleepy? Are we engaged? Are we checked in or checked out? How are we listening at church services? You know, hopefully we are not falling into a deep sleep. How are we hearing? How are we hearing? There is the letter of the law. You can think of it as the letter of the law. That's just not forsaking the assembly as a manner of some. Just being here, okay? That's the letter of the law. You know, just sitting in the chair, holding a place in a chair, and sitting here at Sabbath services. That's the letter of the law. But then we have the spirit of the law. That's when we are actively listening. We are proactive. We are engaged. We are internalizing what is being said. Well, today I would like to look at listening in church services and then look at three steps to effective listening. So the title of my message today is Ears to Hear. Ears to Hear. Oftentimes when we think about coming into the truth, we might ask someone, you know, When was the first time that you heard about the truth? That's a question that we often will ask each other. You know, when was the first time you heard about the truth? And that's a big part of coming into the truth, is hearing about the message. We also know in Revelation, we see many serious events that take place to the seven churches, whether we make it or not, things that must take place. Let's go ahead and turn to Revelations, and it talks about it talks about the importance of hearing. Let's go ahead and turn to Revelation one. 
Revelation 1. And let's go ahead and start in verse 1. Getting the stage here, the setting here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must, must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. So we have the revelator, Jesus Christ, is revealing his message. We know the importance of this. This is very important. We know that John eventually, it says he fell down as dead. He realized the importance of this message that Jesus Christ was revealing. And what is the message? What is one of the messages that is delivered to all seven churches? All seven churches that represents the churches through the ages. The message to all seven churches. We have, of course, the message to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. No matter what church a person is a part of in the eras, the same message that Jesus Christ reveals goes out to all of the seven churches. Let's go ahead and look at Revelation 2 and in verse 7. Revelation 2 and in verse 7. In verse 7, it says here, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We have here, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes. The two messages that throughout, that ring out throughout time. That Jesus Christ has revealed to all the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he who overcomes. Or, in other words, listening. He who has an ear, listening. And he who overcomes, applying. Listening and applying. We know that listening goes hand in hand with application. It goes hand in hand with application. Let's turn to James 1. James 1 and in verse 19. James 1 and in verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear... Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear. Verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so we can see here, there's a pattern here. A forgetful hearer is not a doer, in other words. A forgetful hearer, you could also say a bad listener, 
is not a doer. Or a hearer, a hearer is a doer. Okay, if we are a good hearer, we are a doer or a good listener. So in other words, not hearing is equated to not doing. So if we are a good hearer, we are actually doing. We are actually involved. We are actually applying. Now again, we read in Revelations to all seven churches, He who has an ear, let him hear. The same revelator, Jesus Christ, also said this somewhere else. The same message, the same words elsewhere. If we'll turn to Luke, Luke 8. This is the parable of the seed, Luke 8. Luke 8, verse 8. So we have Jesus Christ to the seven churches. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Again, Jesus Christ in the parable of the seed. He is saying in verse 8, Luke 8, verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, an important message that we hear. Verse 9. So here's the parable. He explained what the parable was. He's taking his disciples aside and he's going to explain what this parable actually means. Very clear, the veil has been lifted, of course, from their eyes, and they can understand. And he's explaining it to them here. Verse 9, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables. That seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So here... Jesus Christ is taking them aside. He's saying it to you. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So this is an important message. The mysteries of the kingdom of God is being revealed to them. Just like in Revelation to the seven churches, the messages. It's all about whether we make it or not. The messages to the seven churches. It's very important. Here he is taking his disciples aside and they are learning the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So this group is taken away. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word of, with joy, and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So temptation pulls the second group away. Verse 14. And the ones that fell among the thorns are those who they have heard go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So we have some examples of what not to do. Okay? We have some examples of, not, of what not to do. And then verse 15 This is where we want to key in on. But the ones that fell on the good ground, okay, hopefully that is all of us. The ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble, noble can also be translated honest and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter 
may see the light. Verse 17, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Verse 18, what's the conclusion of this whole parable? It says, therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has to more, him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. This whole parable is about hearing. The whole parable, he starts with, he who has an eat. Ears to hear, let them hear, and it concludes with, therefore, take heed how you hear. And again, we have to ask ourselves, how are we hearing? How are we hearing? Do we have an ear to hear? Mr. Dexter Wakefield, in a a Living Church News, January, February, February 2011 article, entitled The Miracle of Seeing and Hearing, talks about the amazing miracle that takes place in our lives, how God opens our minds, how we can see the truth of God. And he goes on to talk about our calling and the miracle that does take place. And he does reference the sower and the seed. And then entitled under a section, it says, he says, We have a part two. So it's not just left at... God has opened our minds, but he says, we have a part two. He says, God has done a miracle in our lives, allowing us to see and hear. But he now requires us to act on what he has revealed. He now requires us to act on what he has revealed. Well, I would like to now, as we are thinking about God's word, being here in Sabbath, at Sabbath services, I would like to go through with three points, and I call it the ears to hear formula. The ears to hear formula we find in Luke 8. So let's go back to Luke 8 here, and we'll go ahead and look at three keys that we can have to increase our ability to hear. So let's look at verse, Luke 8, verse 15. So we're going to look at the good ground, the ones that fell on good ground again. Verse 15, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a honest or noble and good heart. So point number one is we need to hear with an honest and good heart. We need to hear with an honest and good heart. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we hear with an honest and good heart? Well, for starters, a very simple aspect that we often do do, and hopefully we all do this, is we can start off by, you know, just getting down on our knees before the Sabbath service and actually just praying to God beforehand, asking God to open our minds to show us what we need to learn, to open our Minds to what is being said, to help imprint it on our minds, help us remember, help us to apply what we hear. And then ask God to help us to, once we've learned that, have the goal of learning one new thing in church services. Very simply just thinking about and learning one new thing. 
You know, we don't have to have, of course, the, the memorize the whole service, the sermonette, the sermon, and have that imprinted on our brain. You know, we, we're, we're not going to remember the whole thing. But if we can remember one thing from every church service, sermonette or sermon, that goes a long, a long way. We have so many Sabbaths in a year, as we were talking about earlier. Every seven days, we think about all the Sabbaths that go by. All the many Sabbaths. The annual holy days. The plan of God. You know, it, it's never new. It's never going to change. It's never new. It's the same plan from all eternity. Every seven days. You know, and if we ever get to the point where we are following a sermonette or sermon, and suddenly we think, you know, you know, I've, uh, I've heard this before. I know where he's going with this. You know, it's easy if that happens. It's so easy for our brains just to turn off. The switch is turned. Our brains are off. We're just kind of coasting. We're just fi- kind of finding, sitting in our chair, warming our seat. And we, but we know that reminders are so important. You think of the frequency of the Sabbath every seven days. Let's go ahead and turn to Second uh, Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter one and in verse twelve. Second Peter one and verse twelve. Therefore, I will will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them. And are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Here Peter is recognizing and he's talking about the importance of reminders. He says, I will not be negligent to remind you. So he's talking to people that already know this information. He's saying, I will remind you. Always of these things. He's saying always of these things. Though you know them. He's saying not that they don't know them. They do know them. Though you know them and are established in the present truth. So it sounds like a pretty solid group here. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. So here Peter is reminding them of these words. We know so often that reminders are so important in our lives. They're so important in our lives. There was an article that um, is from Cuesta College. It's a college out of Southern California that I found this on 10 Keys to Effective Listening. I thought it was interesting as we were thinking about coming to God with a noble and good heart. Some of these keys, it has a listing of column of keys. And then it has a column of column for what bad listeners do. And then it has a column for the good listener. So hopefully we all fall in the good listener category. But the very first key, I thought I would just uh, mention some of these keys here real quick. The first key they mention of effective listening, it says find areas of interest. Now these keys are very simple, very basic. But it says, find areas of interest. So when we are listening, you know, we try to listen effectively. We try to figure out what is interesting. You know, what, is, what can we gain from the message? 
the bad listener tunes out dry subjects. Okay, and then in the, uh, the good listener column, it says, opportunizes, asks, what's in it for me? You know, if we come to church services prior to being here and we are asking God to show us, to open our minds, to help us learn, and we ask, what's in it for me? We probably will find something that we can apply to our lives. If we are just sitting in services and we feel, you know, we're sitting there and we feel like we're not really getting a whole lot out of it, we're kind of bored, we feel sleepy, who's really losing out? Who's losing out? Well, we know that if we aren't gaining something from it, if we're just filling a seat for all those hours every year, we know who's losing out in the end. You think about the 18 eight-hour days that we are here. Well, another key that they mention here of effective listening, it says, judges content, not delivery. The bad listener tunes out if delivery is poor. Tunes out if delivery is poor. The good listener judges content, skips over delivery errors. So maybe if a person doesn't think, you know, count the many times of someone scratching their face or, you know, the, the various little things that can take place. We think about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and how effective he was, how many books of the Bible he wrote, the effectiveness of the Apostle Paul. And we know that he was very effective. You know, being in prison did not take away from what he did. And I thought I would go ahead and read in this book. It's called All the Men of the Bible and All the Women of the Bible. There's a section on the Apostle Paul here. And it says, Paul's bodily size and appearance may have been against him. Judging from a second century Apocryphal description of him. He was a man little of stature, partly bald with crooked legs, a vigorous physique, with eyes set close together, and nose somewhat hooked. So here we have a description of the Apostle Paul. But he was very effective. Can you imagine if the New Testament Christians judged the delivery? You know, he was a very effective individual that God used. Well, another one real quick here, it says, uh, capitalizes on fact, on the fact that thought is faster than speech. A bad listener tends to daydream with slow speakers. A good listener challenges, anticipates, mentally summarizes, weighs the evidence, listens between the lines to the tone of voice. So what category do we fall in? You know, if we are, uh, oftentimes if we know that our minds will go much faster than the speaker. You know, sometimes people might be thinking about uh, maybe the four horsemen of the apocalypse is being covered, and suddenly they're thinking, yeah, a white horse, hmm, yeah. And they start thinking, you know, I, I, rode, I rode a white horse one time. <laughs> yeah, you know, in fact, I remember at the, the feast in Park City, I was on a trail ride, and there was this white horse that I was on. You know... Um, didn't the Lone Ranger ride a white horse? 
Well, our minds can continue to keep moving on. Our minds are faster than words. Well, after we hear with an honest and good heart, let's look at our second point here in Luke 8. Let's go back to Luke 8. Luke 8, verse 15. Luke 8, verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Okay, so we have a noble and good heart. Number two, it says, keep it. We need to keep it. As simple as that. We need to retain it. Once we... Hear it with a noble and good heart. We need to keep it. At the ministerial conference, we had a lecture that was given, and it was entitled Becoming Better Teachers. And this was done by Mr. Gene Hilgenberg and Dr. Scott Winnell. And they talked about the importance of the learning pyramid and different ways that people will learn and the various Various ways that we all need to learn. And some of us are a certain way, you know, have better ways of learning through, you know, maybe more of like a writing or hearing, and on and on it goes. But the point is, even as listeners, if we are aware of that, if we are aware of that as listeners, if we can think about that, getting more and more of our senses involved, you know, maybe we don't like taking notes, But if we go ahead and do it anyway, if we get our senses in of actually taking notes, writing down, actively paying attention, leaning forward, listening, writing down what is being said, we are going to pay attention more and we are going to learn more. The more of our senses that are involved. And that is, uh, of course, the uh, learning pyramid was referenced. There is another article I thought I would briefly go through here that... that, um, that talks about, the title of this article is How to Retain 90% of Everything You Learn, and it's based on the Learning Pyramid. This is from psychotastics.com, and I thought it was interesting. I thought it applied. It says, imagine if you had a bucket of water, and every time you attempted to fill the bucket, 90% of the water would leak out instantly. Every time, all you'd retain was a measly 10%. How many times would you keep filling the bucket? The answer is simple, just once. The first time you'd notice the leak, you'd take action. You'd either fix the bucket or you'd get another bucket, wouldn't you? Yet that's not at all the way we learn. Almost all of us waste 90% of our time, resources and learning time, because we don't understand a simple concept called the learning pyramid. The learning pyramid was developed way back in the 1960s by the NTL Institute in Bethlehem, Maine. If you look at the pyramid, you'll see something really weird. The weird thing is is that you're wasting your time. You're wasting resources. You're just doing everything you can to prevent learning, and here's why. To summarize the numbers, which sometimes get cited differently, learners retain approximately, and it gives approximately the amount of, of the percentage of what we will retain based on what we do. So the first here, it says, If we want to retain 90% of what we learn, then a person must teach someone else or use it immediately. So if we want to retain 90% of what we learn, 
We have to use it immediately. And it goes on down. If we want to retain 75% of what we learn, then we have to practice what we learn. Okay? So if we want to, if we want to retain 75% of what we learn, we have to practice it. And then it goes on down the list of, of the various retention levels. Now at the very bottom of the list, the very lowest part of this list, it says 5% of what, if we want to retain 5% of what we learn. And you know what that is? 5% retention? It says 5%, if we want to retain 5% of what we learn, that we, we have to learn it from a lecture. If we want to only learn 5%, we have to retain, we have to, it says, people that retain 5% of what they learn, it comes from learning from a lecture. Now, when we're in a lecture, we're just sitting, aren't we? Aren't sermonettes and sermons kind of like lectures? Well, the point is, how many of us want to learn more than five, retain more than 5% of what we learn? You know, are we, again, is it just the letter of the law that we are just filling a space? Or are we observing the spirit of the law where we are proactive? You know, it says group discussion. If we want to retain 50% of what we learn, we have to have group discussion, talking about it. You know, we, we uh, converse about it. You know, if we miss something in the sermon or sermonette, maybe we're, even if we have kids, we can ask our husband or wife, you know, I missed 70% of the message. Can you tell me what it was about? We can do that. This article goes on to say, so how should you avoid losing 90% of what you've learned? They say, well, do what I do. I learn something. I write it down in a mind map. I talk to my wife or clients about the concept. I write an article about it. I do an audio. And so it goes. A simple concept is never just learned. It needs to be discussed, taught, written, etc. And brethren, what a wonderful opportunity it is as we are here at Sabbath services, when we think about the amount of time we have together, that we are hopefully here as one body, we have the one mindset, we are here to learn, we take in the Word of God as food, we eat it, we digest it, the nutrients circulate, every member of the body of Christ hopefully grows. And we have so much time to be here to actually not, you know, to talk about what we've learned, you know, to discuss it, to say what we've, you know, that this was interesting, I hadn't thought about this before, this is really helpful. And I actually did a little more calculating here. We learned that we had about 18 eight-hour days in a year of Sabbath services, of sitting. But then I figured out how many days, how much time do we have of fellowship? Again, you take the Sabbath days and holy days. And I figured, you know, maybe we come a half hour before services, we stay an hour after services. Well, approximately we have about 14 and a half, eight hour days of fellowship every single year. Approximately. 
So how are we using our time? If we want to retain, do we want to just retain and maintain 5% of what we learn? If we actually use some of that time to talk about what we've learned, you know, as we've written notes, we've taken the time to get our senses involved, we're proactive, we're listening, and we discuss it with one another. We actually discuss it, and we actually can retain much more if we actually do these things. Well, once we've retained the knowledge by discussing it, let's look at our third point today in Luke 8, verse 15. Luke 8, verse 15. It says, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, that's one, keep it, is number two, and number three, and bear fruit with patience. We must bear fruit with patience. Bearing fruit is all about application. And again, if we apply what we hear, we are going to retain a much higher level of information from the messages we hear. Bearing fruit is all about application. We know in Hebrews 10, it talks about not forsaking the assembling as the manner of some. That we are supposed to be here to stir up love and good works. Well, what are good works? That's the application of what we learn. The applying of what we hear, the give and take, and in turn, we retain much more of what we learn. Again, in Revelation, we heard, He who has ears to hear, and he who overcomes. It's all about listening and application. Let's look in, in Luke 8. Summarizing here in verse 21, it says, But he answered them and said to them, Luke 8, verse 21, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. They hear the word of God and do it. It's all about application in the end, isn't it? All about application. You know, you think about oftentimes with uh, our children, if you tell them to go clean up their room and they don't do it, what do we tell them? We say, you weren't listening. Oftentimes, when we hear something, it needs to be implemented immediately for it to take effect. In conclusion, let's turn over to Matthew 13, a parallel account of the, of the sower and the seed. We think about what God has given us, what we are learning here, and the truth of God, how precious God's truth is for all of us. Let's look, look at uh, Matthew 13 and verse 17. It says, Matthew 13, verse 17, in a parallel account of the sower and the seed, it says, For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Brethren, we have an amazing opportunity every seven days that we are here to hear reminders, to hear the precious truth of God we have our minds open, and we can think about what a privilege it is to have God's truth. Brethren, every Sabbath that passes by, we are one Sabbath closer to Christ's return. 
Are we making the most of our time here at services? Once a Sabbath has passed, it is gone forever. We cannot repeat it. Let's make sure we are listening to services with a good heart. We are retaining it, and we are bearing fruit with patience. Let's make sure, as Christ says to the seven churches, that we have ears to hear.